When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. We're back with another edition of the Federalist Radio Hour. I'm Emily Jashinsky, culture editor here at the Federalist. As always, you can email the show at radio at thefederalist.com. Follow us on Twitter at FDRLST. Make sure to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts as well. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Christopher Bedford, senior editor at the Federalist, also a co-founder over at RightForge. Chris, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Now, we're here on a somber note to discuss the tragedy that unfolded in Texas this week and details are changing at a on a minute by minute basis at this point um, some information has turned out to be bad information um, some information that has emerged recently we we don't know yet whether it's good or bad but Chris you were on Fox News this morning and made a point that I thought was very much worth discussing you said this is starting to look more like a Columbine than a Parkland and you have good reasons for saying so Tell us more about what you mean. So, I mean, there are obvious similarities with Parkland, uh, with a failure of security and this and that, or a deranged kid from a broken family, grandmother, sort of things like that. But what brings me back to Columbine is I remember hearing about that. I was in probably sixth or seventh grade playing um, oh, wow. playing on my with my toys on the floor, and I had my local rock station on the radio. And it's suddenly broke. And these, you know, these hosts didn't know how to talk about it. This, this was the first massacre we'd seen in a school uh, in the United States since, as I think, the, the Texas Tower shooting mm. um, years and years and years before at the university. And, of course, you'd seen gang violence and things like that, but nothing uh, in decades quite like this. And people didn't even know how to quite compute it. But more, more to the point that I was kind of reminded of is that people, the police didn't know how to react. Mm. They... They were used to hostage situations. They were used to, when you know, if there's an active shooter, you cordon the area off so he can't get away. Right. They weren't used to people not trying to get away. Right. And and you, you try to negotiate. You try to get contact with them. What's going on in there? What kind of thing? Uh, we, we hadn't been confronted in the local police level with that kind of evil. And, at least, and it's very rare to be confronted with that on such a mass scale. And I've been thinking about that with this. What happened in Texas and the, how the police lines, we don't know, over this 40 minutes or an hour and a half, mm. the timeline keeps on changing. But these videos are coming out through this heart-wrenching of parents fighting to get through these lines and the police stopping them. Mm. And it's not like they're just heartless bureaucrats. There's something that broke down uh, in order. I mean, these police officers lost children in this school. But when you're surrounding this place and waiting for tactical gear... And you know that there's children who are inside and you hear shot after shot and you know you're going to get I mean, I, I, I cannot possibly understand what kind of breakdown. And I know that minds break down. I know that people freeze. I know that it's easy to sit in a chair and be like, well, I would do this. Mm -hmm. But I can't imagine how men who have men and women who have children in that school or part of that community who know what this evil is because it's happened 
so many times now, wouldn't go in there. If you've got a dozen or two dozen people with guns who know how to shoot and there's an active shooter or there's six active shooters and there are kids in there, you just got to go. You have to. But and there's also the, there's the skin deep similarities with the kid who was alienated, who was picked on, who had the broken or the families, they had the access to the guns in kind of a red area, who was wearing all black, who had the army boots, who was mm -hmm. putting out warnings. Uh, there's a lot of similarities. But what what really freaked me out was I thought that we had learned that you had to deal with this, mm -hmm. and there's no way to deal with it mm -hmm. once it's going. But the first thing is absolute immediate movement. And why they had to wait for this heroic man uh, from the Customs and Border Patrol to rush in there and finish it, uh, it's just beyond me. We, we do still have those overhead like helicopter shots from Columbine. Do you know what I'm talking about? Of the students just fleeing the school. footage later of the children running out. Yes, and it is harrowing. But these this raw, shaky cell phone footage from outside the school as these parents are learning what's happening and realizing that their children um, may not be coming home, um, but trying desperately to prevent that from being the case. It's some of the worst footage I have ever seen in my life. It's, it is horrific. Um, and Chris, what stands out to me, and it stands out to me every single time, is that there were warning signs aplenty, not isolated signs here or there that maybe people could brush aside. These were warning signs aplenty once again. Um, and the same is very much true of what happened just a couple of weeks ago in Buffalo. The same is very much true of Parkland. It is time and time again, social media has enabled people who are about to commit these types of atrocities um, to broadcast it. And Either nobody takes them seriously enough, um, they've fallen off the police's radars, um, their families are not sufficiently aware. I mean, it, it just, there's no basically safety net um, to catch these people before they do what they say or indicate they're going to do. Yeah, social media has allowed us to find all these clues as detectives afterwards, the things that were overlooked and things that were ignored. And social media also allows in some ways to kind of feed this alienation that these people are feeling. I mean, Columbine was like that first mass shooting uh, in modern American history that kicked off a whole wave of copycats. And as, as Mark Hemingway, our, our book editor, pointed out, the lethality of uh, widely available firearms has not changed right. in the last 20 years, 25 years at all. So right. what has changed? And that's why, like, listen, when you the guys like Beto, who they like, want to run down there and make a political scene about it, I'm like, sure, okay. I actually, when I when I say someone's, when I hear someone tell me, like, broadly in the news media, now is not the time. I'm like, what are you talking about? Let's talk about it now. That press conference was a disaster when he went into the actual victims were there and the yeah. police briefing. That was actually not the time. But what upset me the most and made me most annoyed about how, is, is how stupid and disingenuous and not thoughtful it is. There, obviously, everyone in this country is aware that something is wrong. Something is getting worse. There's an alienation here. We're, these are fruits of a rotten and broken culture that we're seeing. But what has changed in the last 25 years? Because certainly you cannot tell me that it's been guns, but it has been mass media. Yep. It's been internet. Social media. Social media. I mean, this this wasn't around in the days of Columbine, but it is around. It's been around now for the last many, last decade or more, uh, 15, 16 years. 
where the teasing never ends, the alienation never ends. You're not just going home and crying about the party you didn't get invited to in your class. These kids are, they've got something in their pocket that's buzzing them with harassment or like a life they don't have or something else. And even more than just that, there are dark corners of the internet that these kids are able to access that will feed that kind of thinking. I mean, if if, you, if, you're, if you're someone who doesn't think the Holocaust happened, you can go to 4chan. If, you, if you're someone who thinks the Holocaust did happen, it should happen again, you can go to 8chan. Like, there's mm. all these different crazy different nooks that people feed off of each other and, and that isolation is reinforced uh, that leads to like a radicalization. So I, I'm looking at the sickness in our culture and social media is popping out, mass media and another problem that we're dealing with with all this and how we talk about it and the policy and the Democrats versus Republicans and Joe Biden going down there, Barack Obama just for some reason plugging St. Floyd George into this conversation. So I that couldn't believe anything that to do with it. What, it, what Basically paraphrase it for people. He said that, well, we grieve over this, this, this mass murder. Let's not forget that two years ago, uh, George Floyd was killed. It's like, how could I forget? There was a golden casket on TV for three weeks. Like, there were riots across all of America for months. How could I forget? It is just robotic and empty political posturing. Yeah. And it it reinforces, but it's it's, it's not just him. It's also uh, Governor Abbott of Texas. It's also uh, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. We completely lack the language to talk about this because we're super afraid of the serious implications of it. It's not just AR and, and trigger guards and, and suppressors and magazine. It's it's the, a rot in our culture. It's spiritual problems. It's demonic. There, It's true evil. It's an immoral society. It's once again a kid coming from a broken family. Once again, social alienation. Once again, like... This, complete and total separation from the good life that is what we know and have known since since exodus man and a woman raising a child like that is the healthy way to do this and and it's and it's weird kind of narcissism mixed with nihilism and both republicans democrats and particularly corporate media just completely lack the the thought i think the brain the introspection and even the language to even remotely begin to deal with this. So we just go back to uh, magazine lines and I mean, with the Washington, the Washington Post just or USA Today, I can't remember which one, just saying earlier today that the AR is based on Nazi weaponry, which is just completely historically mm-hmm. false. It's not true at all. Uh, they, they don't know how to actually deal with what we're, what's going on right now. And neither really do I, but mm-hmm. they can't even begin to identify what's wrong. Right. So you latch on to very easy solutions that seem as though they'll, you know, mitigate risk, et cetera, et cetera. But really, they won't. And so we get stuck in this incredibly superficial back and forth because we're all leaning into what's easy. And I say this, I, I see the same thing with social media posts. And we've all over the course of the last several days, seen people that we love and respect um, write ridiculous things on on social media. And I I think that in both directions, just opportunistic or whatever it is. And as I try to, when these things happen, ground myself and say, literally nobody wants dead kids. Nobody wants to see this happen. So what is motivating this vapid 
post. And I think it's because it's, it's that sensation of having taken action, but it's so easy. And so you, that, that impulse we all have to just belch out our emotion um, when something happens, you, know, you see this happening on TV, you want to talk to somebody, you want to call somebody up and social media makes that visceral reaction. Um, it, it turns it into a post. It turns it into something you publish rather it's a than substitute, an yeah. exclamation. Right. It's a total substitute for actual moral action. And people feel, you know, I, the amount of people I knew who posted black squares for Black Lives Matter. Uh, Instagram blockout who didn't even believe the stuff. Maybe it was pressure. Yeah. And and folks just go on there and they just they say things and then, then that's it. And it's really cheap activism. The only people who actually believe it are American corporations, which like run in total fear of left wing social media posts. Right. But it is total totally fake. And I, the, like you said, I mean, the, the, between the politics, between the regulation, which no one can ever really point towards the actual regulation that would solve something like this. Um, yeah. You, you combine all of that stuff and you've got you've got nothing that's completely vapid. Uh, it's, it's just skin deep, just talking like you need to talk. And I, 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 I kind of understand it. I mean, yep. in some ways, it's you feel like you need to do something. It's kind of easier. Uh, it's certainly difficult to, for, I mean, 24-hour news programs, which you know, also kind of coincide at the beginning of these massacres. It, you watch it, it's been days of speculation and days of people expressing remorse and sadness. Mm. Almost absolutely zero facts. Mm. We were talking about this with the Ukraine war. You could watch CNN all day. Uh, at the beginning of the Ukraine war and you would feel sad and you would feel happy and you would weep and you would get angry and then you would cheer. And it was just a bunch of BuzzFeed-esque emotions with absolutely zero facts behind it. You watch CNN, you probably thought that like Ukraine's about to win this war. Hmm. Russia's about to lose. Uh, you get no facts. You just get a bunch of emotions from it. You have to really dig in to get any kind of facts. People don't really want to dig into this sort of stuff. All right, think about this. Many of us spend more time every day in our office chair than in our cars or in our beds. That's why it's so important to invest in the right chair so that you're spending those hours with the right level of support and comfort so that you can get the most productivity out of your day. When you think about it, we do spend so much time worrying about our mattresses and our cars and not our chairs. But X-Chair has made my time at my desk not only more productive, but it's honestly my favorite place to sit for any reason. So not only does X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar or DVL offer the ultimate customized support, but my X-Chair can even give me a massage or heat up or cool down. And now, thanks to X-Chair's new FS360 armrests, I can even adjust my armrests to the perfect position. Now, all these unique X-Chair features help the hours at my desk fly by in complete comfort. And that's why I love my X-Chair. Go to xchairfederalist.com now. That's the letter X chair f-e-d-e-r-a-l-i-s-t dot com or call 1-844-4-X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairfederalist.com But that's the problem. It's like we used to have these conversations in our communities. And so here's something really interesting. 
the one of the messages the shooter sent before going on the rampage, or maybe it was like shortly after he had shot his grandma. It was sometime uh, before he entered the school. Was to a girl he had been talking to online in Germany. Germany. In Germany, so these conversations, not just um, in which we are we are revealing our desires to do something horrific, or even just more mundane um, emotions or thoughts, whatever it is, those conversations are happening globally. But so too our 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 sort of reactions as a as a community, as a the American community, as the Texas community, as the uh, the community that was directly affected by this. You post something online and unless you're ultra private and have only like five friends that's going everywhere it's going all over the state all over the country and then it's going all over the world and then we're having these conversations the like the prime minister of new zealand is weighing in we're having these conversations with people we do not know we have no accountability to whatsoever they are on another side of the globe they are a digital avatar in our mind as we're sort of debating whether or not to weigh in on what they said and our conversations are completely hampering our ability to do anything whatever it is whether it has to do with security whether it has to do with reasonable gun regulation whatever it is we can't do it because we cannot have these conversations in the way humans were meant to it's like tower of babel yes it is it's exactly we've created we've created this thing that this this monstrosity that allows all humans all over the planet to communicate no matter what your language is all of us and and we thought Oh, we're just going to build a great society. You know, we're going to we're going to be like gods. If you talk to some of these Silicon Valley people, we're going to we're going to have human peace and flourishing in an age of great enlightenment. And actually, what God sends you is chaos and confusion. And we even if we can, even if I can talk to somebody in Japan and they can translate it, I mean. In the, in the end of the Tower of Babel, people were speaking to each other and couldn't understand each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like, I feel that way when I talk to uh, some relatives of mine who are freaking out, like, "Well, why are guns legal?" And, and and there's there's no way we speak the same language. We've grown up together. I've been working on building this Tower of Babel with my, you know, for for our entire lives, and suddenly we turn to each other and there's nothing we can say that the other person can understand. Right. And it's that's part of the uh, that's part of this disaster we have in modern culture. And I think it feeds it feeds itself, and the beast keeps on getting bigger. So it's Tower of Babel, exactly, and then with another layer of, uh, and that is the layer of, of distance and anonymity in so many cases. And I don't want to complicate the the obvious parallel, um, but yes, it's it's exactly the problem of, of the Tower of Babel, except it is exacerbated by the fact that we are... At least uh, they were in the same room. They were in the same, <laughs> they were in the same tower, yeah. Um, and so, in a sense, it's, it's exactly the same, but it's totally different because we are in this uncharted territory where we can have those conversations past each other, but on a digital level and in the digital space, and I, I really don't know, this is part of the conversation we have about like cancel culture um an example i always go back to is i think it was katie herzog who reported this in barry weiss's Substack that there are emergency rooms people have wanted to take police out of them for the sake of social justice but the police have routinely saved lives by being in emergency rooms because gang members come back to finish the job 
whatever it is. But because we're in this conversation about social justice, we can't, we're talking past each other in this very Tower of Babel sense. We cannot even have reasonable policies anymore because we can't talk about the problem anymore. Yeah, I think it's driven our politics a little nutty. And I'm going to pick on I'm going to pick on the left here for a minute, even though we're not supposed to be partisan. I'm not talking about Democrats or Republicans, but the left in that. We also have this thing. A friend of mine who just casually watches politics, he doesn't do it for a living. He's in banking security, texted me and said, I'm not following this. I thought last week it was we need we need to kill babies, that mm. abortion is fine. The women, like, I will eat my fetus, all this kind of crazy stuff we saw in the Supreme Court. And senators going out there and screaming, you know, this is my body, my choice. And then this week, it's whiplash where it's, we must protect precious children, which, of course, we should. Yeah. But there, there's just, it's such a weird messaging problem. Right? One, one minute, it's, we need cops off of our streets. Like that, that crazy Barack Obama tweet, thanking God for, or thanking America for the activism, the anti-police activism of the last two years. And then we have a turn around, we have a school shooting. Mm-hmm. Who's going to stop that in the mm. police? Uh, eventually, actually, strangely enough, to not really fit any narratives that they like, turns out to be an elite member of the Border Patrol mm. who took a shot to the head. Glort raised his hat. It's a wild picture you should look at if, you, if you're near your computer screens. Now, these narratives, it's back and forth kind of insanity in, in this left-wing narrative. Uh, and, you know, what, what's kind of stupid about the whole thing is I was talking to a bunch of uh, senior Senate and House staff before I came over here, and I said, well, it doesn't seem like there's really any appetite for uh, gun regulation. I mean, in previous shootings, remember after Sandy Hook, that awful massacre hmm. by that coward, you saw uh, Pat Toomey and other members, you saw the Tea Party kind of split. All the people who come in in 2010 who were all together on spending and this and that, suddenly started to crack, depending on what state they were in. And meetings I used to go to, people stopped trusting each other because people, Republicans split. And I think the vitriol and the rhetoric has gotten so vicious. Republicans have been called Nazis and baby and baby haters, and Democrats have been called baby killers, and everyone have been going back and forth so viciously that I don't think there's any room for any kind of compromise. So I asked them, I asked them if they agreed with that, and they actually told me that they think that there are Republicans who would compromise on red flag laws absolutely. and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, he said you could easily peel off uh, ten. 10 senators to try and pass some kind of red flag thing, but didn't think actually the Democrats were willing to meet on that. I think that's true. Uh, and that's just like, this. well, then what are we doing? Right. That's a really good point because we can't. Yeah, that is a really good point because it's the problem is even just coming to the table because if, it, yeah, and, and it's not even when I'm thinking about this, it's, it's sort of like, it's not even partisan, it's transpartisan in the sense that there's one side of this that's trying to preserve just humanity, like pro-human um, ways of life. And then there's another side that owns the culture um, and that is basically scorched earth and um, is not rooted, you know, they're also humans. They don't want them or themselves to be shopping at a grocery store in Buffalo or their children to be at a school in Texas. But they um, they don't have any, like, strong moral foundation. They're rooted in post-modernity. They are anti-sort-of-truth. And it's, it's so easy that you end up 
only having these conversations about the easiest possible superficial solutions like um, tweaks to you know what kind of guns are uh, what kind of like you were saying magazines or whatever it's, it's it is. Like, they, they laugh like it's enough of your thoughts and prayers. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Turn to God? That's okay. a great point. What are you going to do? We're going to turn to government. Okay. So what's the government going to do to stop this? What's the evil? That's a great point. And I don't because so- you see Republicans doing that too. They're doing the same. Like, thoughts and prayers aren't enough. And so literally nobody is saying that they are. But I think, uh, I do think it's kind of stupid because I just think that prayer and spirituality and bringing morality back to our country is actually essential. Yeah. And have a people in the face of tragedy. You know, like when you read... The book of Judges, or you read Exodus, and you always kind of wonder, especially when you're younger, like, how could they forget? How could they forget God? How could they forget to pray? Mm. And, and, they, and how could they, why would they reject it? Don't they know, like, this has happened again and again and again? And then I used to think, like, how, how could they be so silly? And now I look around modern society, and it's actually really easy. Mm. It's really easy to lose track of this. It's really easy to say, uh, I mean, imagine... Imagine you're out there in the desert and Moses is like, hey, I'm going to go take care of this. And you're like, prayers are not enough. It's like, really? Well, what, do you, what do you got? What's your plan? Idols. Yeah, idols. idols. Uh, Baal. That's a favorite of the modern left. Uh, but even, I mean, there is a role for government because government is an expression or government is an exp- and law is discovered truth and morality when it's properly understood. Well, we kind of discussed there's no real change in gun laws here. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, there's an age change in Texas fairly recently in the last two years to lower the age that you're able to get a handgun, but that wouldn't have affected someone getting a long gun. Right. Um, so that's that's not up. So what is it? And I think it, it does take a more visionary approach. I mean, I don't, I don't know if this is the right solution, but I think he's on to the right path. When you talk to people like J.D. Vance or, or, or Josh Hawley, who are looking at the screens, the mass marketization, pornography, the pornography. I mean, this 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 coward spent a life alienated, feeling sorry for himself with schools closed due to COVID, increasingly on the internet, surrounded by pornography and nihilism, finding darker channels with which to express himself and his BS. Um, these are serious cancers in our society, and it's it's difficult to deal with, but it really ought to be uh, dealt with. How they're just absolutely spreading spreading these kinds of toxins through us. And it's a tough conversation to have, but, and, and you know, it's, it's difficult too. Like, uh, Christopher has been home for 10 days out of the last couple, uh, last like six weeks. You're referring to yourself in the third person. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Little boy, uh, from school because of COVID, ridiculous COVID policies, it's super easy to just take an iPad. And just put it in his hands. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and be like, yeah. okay, because otherwise, I got news to you. It'll when, work. When like you're magic. done working, I'll be done working in two hours. We'll prepare to hear that question one thousand times in the next two hours, and, it, and it's hard not to get angry and kind of frustrated. But it's just a kid, so I can see like the temptation for parents just to put a screen in, like, all right, here you go, or like, don't restrict it. And I also, as a kid, used to play computer games. Remember the temper tantrums I used to throw when I was a teenager? <laughs> get out of my room! I'm just trying to, you know, go outside and play. It's tough. But it's really important, and it's a matter of kids' safety. It's a matter of the future of our culture. It's a matter of mental happiness. It's a matter of emotional well-being. We we go out we go outside in our health magazines and say like, in order to promote body positivity and, and good emotional health, we're like we're gonna put fat chicks on Instagram. It's like oh, okay, and it's from tradition. I'm like okay, but maybe there's like a deeper problem here. Maybe maybe it's the screen time. Maybe it's the social media. Maybe it's the fact that your phone's always buzzing, showing you something different. 
so I definitely consider my incessant skepticism both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing in journalism for sure. But as I've watched all of these my pillow ads over the years, I have just been plagued by the question: Are these as good as the commercials say they are? I've always wondered this. And when the fine folks over at my pillow were kind enough to send me some of their products, I was really pleasantly surprised. These things are great, and right now they're having a bogo extravaganza. So you can get buy one get one free pricing on the my pillow bed sheets as low as 59.98 the elegance my pillows as low as 49.98 and that six piece towel sets those are my favorite those are included in the bogo extravaganza also the roll and go anywhere my pillows for 29.98 and so much more those six piece towel sets are made with cotton grown here in the united states other towels feel good but don't absorb or they absorb but they don't feel good Every MyPillow towel is made from proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent and soft to the touch. I can confirm that. It's absolutely true. Like I said, these are my favorites. They have no lotion-y feel either. Every set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths, so you got everything you need. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they are machine washable and come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. Those roll-and-go-anywhere MyPillows, you can use them on your couch, your recliner, or in your car. They're versatile enough to take on vacation or really anywhere you go. They're also available in multiple colors and patterns and machine washable and dryable for all you parents. That's the most important part. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee as well. So as you can see, it's a buy one, get one extravaganza over at mypillow.com slash federalist. Bed sheets and my pillows are just the tip of the iceberg. Find the full list of BOGO offers by visiting mypillow.com slash federalist or call 800 794 8429. Stock up with buy one, get one free savings today and get Mike's book free with any purchase. MyPillow.com slash Federalist or call 800-794-8429. MyPillow.com slash Federalist. Well, and so this is where, this is a good articulation of kind of what I was going for in that, like when you are not um, rooted in anything, if you're in, if you've built your ideology and your culture's dominant ideology on a house of sand, as opposed to a house of stone, it crumbles. And there, the obvious counterpoint to everything we're talking about would be, well, even other Western democracies don't have the same problems with mass shootings that the United States does. And they have similar cultures. And I would say, um, first of all, we're a, a much bigger country and we're, we're obviously different in many ways, but this, the, the coarsening is affecting every country. The, the coarsening of Western culture is certainly affecting every country and it might be manifesting in different ways now, but the results at the end of the day is going to be the same. Um, and that is not to downplay absolutely anything, but in a, in a broader sort of 30,000 foot view um, this is sapping all of us of our humanity and the the same ideology behind that is the ideology that is pushing us into this superficial, facile conversation um, that will not bring us to solutions. Yeah, whether it's it's just stupid body positivity and on, on swimsuit, swimsuit editions or we walk across the street from our office and the way we solve the mental health crisis and severe drug addiction and crime is we hand out $500 tents from REI to the homeless and say, make yourself, you know, just sit outside like it's all these superficial let me let me feel better well, kind of garbage and none of them actually solve root 
problems. So obesity as health, which is a line that people are actually, like it's an argument that actually gets made by medical ex- experts. Um, it reminds me of uh, Michael Schellenberger resurfaced a, a tweet that I had posted um, back in the winter just last week. And um, it was in the context of a conversation just about... Just through your... No, your it was, Twitter. no, it was relevant um, to a point he was making about homelessness. I had found in this DCist article that, and this is, again, it's an obvious argument that the left makes, they were saying that in order to uh, protect homeless people from the winter cold, we needed to protect their outdoor encampments. It is an actual argument that an advocate, somebody who spends every day working um, in theory on behalf of people who find themselves homeless, was making that these to, to keep them safe from the cold, we must keep them in the cold. And the argument is like so convoluted and backwards that if you're not involved in this and you're not close up, you take a step back and you you laugh at it because it's so ridiculous. But their twisted logic is that, you know, it is not worth trying to push people out of the encampments and into housing because it's not it's not practical. It just won't happen. The the addictions are too hard to beat. Um, and it's it's just and the, an, and the DA is not putting away people who yeah. are caught dealing drugs to the homeless. Yeah. Which you know, if you're caught dealing uh, methamphetamines or and heroin to homeless homeless mentally ill people, then yep. you know maybe maybe the penalty should rhyme with meth penalty. Mm-hmm. But we we don't want to well, deal with it. We just let them back out because because it, we don't it doesn't address the root causes. Uh, same thing with our with our with our border. You know that the sad thing is like. Guarantee you, this is going to happen again. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Maybe this yeah, year. That's horrible. If not this year, the next year. Um, this school year is almost over, thank God. But it's it's going to happen again. And uh, it's we are on such a difficult path right now. I think that people on the right, you know, talking about some of the, the more introspective populist aspects, whether it's Claremont or I mentioned Vance and Holly and others of more populist right, you know, this is not something that President Trump was ever interested in, but others have been. Like, obviously, Trump's not interested in this, but there's something wrong that needs help in the coarsening of our of our constant, unending, unceasing media technology society. Hundred percent. That needs 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 to be addressed. Um, you're not gonna be able to just fix, you know, some of the soullessness and and, and the sparing aspects that have created that we created with like our plastic suburbs and our ugly cities. That's that's a whole other problem. You can maybe fix the ugly cities. The the build the uh, you know, make America beautiful again. Mm-hmm. Uh, act that, or, or, or uh, order that Trump signed right before leaving office was something that could have done that. Just at least making places beautiful and lifting the mind up. But you see it all around us. There's this great documentary by Roger Scruton uh, on beauty in the BBC that they didn't release on DVD because it got such backlash. But you can find it on YouTube and other places. Yes, I've watched it. And he talks about how art over the last century. Uh, since World War One in particular, has really started to suppose to lifting people up or finding beauty in the mundane or, or starting with the religious symbols and then finding beauty in just nature and then finding beauty in the mundane and the human and then in, in always inspiring people has begun to reflect back on us in a way that's ugly, that's disconcerting, art that's designed to make you uncomfortable. And that's completely insane. I mean, and these artists say that this is how we show human suffering for what it is. We're like, okay, well, sure. If you, if you take me to the Vatican and show me the terrifying and dark images of St. Paul being, St. Peter being crucified. Uh, you, you look, you look at that and say, there's obvious torment here. There's obvious sadness, but it's beautiful. 
-hmm. It's uplifting. It, it shows you God. It shows you something else. Or if you show me that the, this fields of flowers, it's just something you might pass by at Van Gogh or Monet or someone else putting it together or a cocktail party. It just it brings us out of it. And same thing with architecture. And nowadays, we don't have that. We've got extremely ugly art that's meant to debase and to show the ugliness reflected back at us. We've got ugly buildings. The prettiest buildings, the modern ones that we have, are simply glass made to reflect back on us. Um, this is a cheap cop-out. Uh, our, our culture, our internet culture is ugly. Pornography is everywhere in advertising. And it's like, you know, it's, it's pretty wild to be able to take the female form something so beautiful and just make it so gross as you see in some of these advertisements that are half pornographic and just make it based and not in a good way like this is coursing over culture i think that's just reflecting back and honestly i'm i am criticizing other people for talking about stupid peripheral skin deep issues but it's not like i've got a straight up solution and how to fix this yeah. you certainly can't just fix it with regulation you have to fix it with promoting beautiful art by by being a part of this thing or you know one, one friend of mine, uh, Daryl Scott, who did something to, to try and fix this, him and his brother and, uh, and other members of his family, his daughter was killed in Columbine. Mm. And he put together a nonprofit afterwards because he found her diary when he finally got up the guts mm. to dig through her belongings. And she'd been writing in school about how like, people were being bullied, not those kids. Uh, she didn't know them as far as I know. Maybe she did. And... She'd been writing different things. And one of her last entries was saying, just show an act of kindness to mm. people and it will have a chain reaction. You don't know who's maybe going home that day to kill himself or maybe like was just going to run away from home or was going to drop out of school or was going to come back with a gun. And so there's these small acts of kindness that can just change someone's perspective at a time when they're really unstable and dark. So they started this thing uh, where they go out and try to reach just talk to people in school and you know they talk they use they give a biblical message with secular language mm. they, they talk about the things that these lessons of deep mor morality and love and kindness you find in the bible but they don't say as christ said this they just talk about the lessons because they're talking in public schools and they're actually bringing that message in and they've got a track record uh of people who've come up to them and, and like turned in guns mm. after they've given speeches and told the story of his daughter uh, or have said, I was going to go home and kill myself, but you you gave me this. Uh, and they've been going to school. So, I mean, there's, there are things that we can do. It's not hopeless. We can't just battle the whole culture. Uh, but we can support things that we want. We can, we can bar our children from watching things that are bad and being a part of it. We can uh, stand up for the true and the beautiful. We can do those random acts of kindness, which can be very difficult. I, I screamed alone in my car in traffic earlier today. I could see how like the modern world can get overwhelming. I was say, you're the king of road rage. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't spread kindness on the road, but fortunately, you, I, I roll, I'm old enough now to roll up my windows and keep it to myself. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. As Sarah said, who'd you scream at today when I told her I had an incident? I was like, no one. I was alone in the car. I yelled at the sky. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't angry at the sky. I was old just man angry. Yells at cloud. <laughs> old uh, man yells at cloud. Exactly. So, just to touch on what you said, I, I think we saw something happen in art um, that ultimately happened in our more immediately in our politics, which was the, the postmodern, like whether something is art is different than whether it's beautiful and that's different than whether it's good. Um, and so 
I think we saw some very provocative art that was not beautiful. And we were told by academia, and this is in the 20th century and uh, into where we are now, that it is beautiful. And so the difference between that not only is it art, but that it is beautiful. It's because art because I say it is. Art is inherently beautiful. Um, and this is, it was obviously based on this questioning, this, you know, if God is dead, our entire system of Western morality is dead. There are many versions of truth, infinite versions of truth. There is no central truth. And when that, you know, first started in this sort of high art world, um, in elite culture, it then became downstream and, and is now in all of our culture to the point where you have, you know, rural high schools where the governing philosophy says that to advance women's sports, you must must let men compete in them. Right. Like it is just completely backwards and it doesn't matter anymore whether you're at a cocktail party in on the Upper East Side for a, a new collection um, by a, an elite artist, or if you're in, uh, you know, suburban Kansas City, it's everywhere and it's dominant. This is something that people need to recognize. I think this Texas is awful, awful incident. This awful cowardly attack in Texas shows it. Uh, there are no magic bubbles in America. Your little hometown is not safe. Yep. Um, small towns in Texas and Kansas and South Dakota and Wyoming. Uh, parents might be shocked to find out what's being taught in some of those schools, um, or what's happening or on the their violence. child's iPhone. Yeah, you give it. You give in their a bedroom. child an iPhone. Well, that child has access to the most vile pornography, uh, and scenes of murder and torture, immediately. And immediately. they can so stumble right on at, it by accident. It's right at their fingertips, and maybe it's not. Maybe they're not the kind of person who would seek it out, but but the but people will send it to them, and people they'll find it accidentally, even if they're not seeking it out. Yeah. Um, I was. I thought it was insane. You see the Asa Hutchinsons and those people in the world. I don't want to go down a critical race theory hole at all. Well, this but is another good example that anti-racism necessitates actual racism. Yeah, yeah. And, but these people say, "Well, that's not a problem, in my state. I know we don't have that." Or it's like we wouldn't. I mean, no. Actually, whether you're a red state or a blue state, an armed state or an unarmed state, a patriotic state or a nihilist state, uh, evil will come there. Mm-hmm. Badness will spread there. Uh, and and because of this Tower of Babel internet thing that we've created, it's got access to all of you. I mean, this shooter can find a friend in the 15-year-old girl, this coward, in, in Germany and be communicating with her. I have no idea what they were talking about. Maybe he was just harassing her. But the internet's just made it kind of everywhere. And we need to be on guard. I mean, Satan is real. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's everywhere, and um, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. And I think, of course, Chris and I would both agree there are practical steps um, that can be taken to alleviate or to mitigate the risks. Um, you know, I'm working on something right now about what the media can do. I, an obvious route, um, the way the media covers these things. It's not the it's not the uh, end all be all solution um but it's something you can do we can have you know different there are companies that actually help schools monitor every student's social media in various ways to just alert them to any concerning posts i mean there's so many different things that can be done here but it's just creepy and draconian in itself yeah but they're i mean they are students and minors um and there are ways i think you can screen and filter um what they're posting publicly um but but all that is to say 
uh, this is this is not going anywhere unless we start getting serious. Um, but we're numbing ourselves into the this nihilism, as you said, Chris. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this where Ted Cruz is being ridiculed for his his idea on more secure doors and how that'd be too complicated. And it's like, well, as one of our colleagues pointed out, uh, confiscating millions and millions and millions of guns and ammunition from law-abiding Americans is significantly more complicated. But the reality is more complicated than all of that is fixing our culture and our spirituality and getting this country back on a, on a moral place and parenting. You know, all of those things are difficult, but some of those things like parenting and being a good neighbor um, and showing acts of kindness, which as you know, is can be difficult for me from time to time. Uh, these things actually do make a huge difference. Uh, appreciation of beauty, getting your kids to church, showing them what's right and wrong. You know, they kind of, and also just if you see something, say something, sort of thing. And I'm from Massachusetts, so you don't snitch. But living in DC after a while, if a backpack is abandoned on a subway, you know to tell somebody. Yeah, someone stole my scooter yesterday. That's awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I'm sorry, Emily. No, it's it's fine. But it's a. I was like thinking about you know. I was just like, do I file a police report? It's pretty expensive. I was like, do I file a police report? And as I was thinking through it, I was like, I pay taxes in this city and I feel completely at odds with it politically and, and culturally in so many ways. But if some kid just took this, this scooter, if anything, it's probably a cry for help. Like the, there's no way the police are going to do anything, but like, it's a, cry a for help. he's probably just going to use it to run into people. Well, yeah, probably that it's, it's really <laughs> fast. Uh, but it's, and you know, I, I'm fine, but it's just like, the, this is what like communities need to be able to um, fun do perform basic functions, and they need to be accountable to each other. And taxpayers should hold law enforcement. Uh, responsible even if it seems impossible like it's a needle in a haystack type thing the police have different priorities etc cetera, etc cetera. we have to hold each other accountable because this is all based on our own shared interests and our our own money and resources and geographic location um and so this is a long-winded way of just as i was thinking about this stupid thing stupid small thing yesterday it made me just want to be a better, I guess, uh, citizen of the city that I live in, even though I would actually rather not live here in the first place, but that's another story. <laughs> you know, the, uh, they just had the DC mayor candidates debate and they're all talking about different ways to try and solve crime and the murder and all this other stuff that's going on in our city. And I don't think there's a single one of them that I recall who said, well, why don't we lock up criminals? <laughs> <laughs> that's too complicated. Well, I'm a traveler from 2019 informs the DC City Council how to govern. Wow, that'd be so weird. It's much too complicated. Well, on, on that note, Chris. Uh, a slightly more positive note. Slightly more positive. Um, obviously, a complicated subject, and uh, appreciate you appreciate your thoughts um, and, and your willingness to talk this through. Of course. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to another edition of the Federalist Radio Hour. I'm Emily Jashinsky, culture editor here at the Federalist. We'll be back soon with more. Until then, be lovers of freedom and anxious for the fray. I heard the faint voice of reason.